0: The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. Uh, I'm so glad to have you with us as we take a few minutes today in God's Word. And I hope you're keeping safe. I hope you're keeping warm. I was just looking at that picture, that picture that comes up in the background where the counter is as we're preparing for this to start, and all the snow and everything. And frankly, I think most of us would agree that looks like our front yard. Uh, The amount of snow is ridiculous. I thank the Lord that a couple of days prior to yesterday, it melted off a little bit. Where else would you put the snow? Uh, But our neighborhood, as we're shoveling, there's just piles. I mean, where do you put it? And it's just getting so high. now I still say in comparison to places like Texas got you know we we've got it good there's not mass outages that I know of and I hope you continue to pray for the people down there as they're going through some pretty pretty extreme circumstances for a place not prepared for things like this and so um, we're just grateful for God's protection. We hope you're keeping safe and keeping warm. And I drove in this morning to work, and I'm telling you, it was, the roads were great. You know, and then we got here, a little slick sidewalks, took some time to salt those off, and, and uh, you just never know, right? And uh, I can't wait. Next week, they claim it could hit 50 sometime next week, and I'm praising the Lord for it and looking forward to hopefully what will feel like a heat wave by that point. Well, thank you for joining us this morning as we finish out the week in God's Word. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42 this morning, if you want to follow along in your Bible. And we're going to pick up in verse number 7 as we look beginning to look at Joseph's response to being confronted with his past. He's confronted with his past. He is is shown the full reality of God's vision, of God's dream, and what's happening, and now he has opportunities um, to respond. He is in a place of authority. He has the right to do whatever he wants to these brothers who caused him so much grief, and and his father so much grief, and his family so much grief, and he has every right and every in every power in front of him to do whatever he wants in this spot so let's go ahead and take a look and we're going to read several verses here in genesis chapter 42 and it says and joseph saw his brethren and he knew them but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them and he said unto them whence come ye and they said from the land of canaan to buy food now joseph knew both of these all right he knew where they'd come from what they were doing there verse eight And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said unto them, ye are spies to the nakedness of the land, ye are come. He remembered what happened. He remembered the dream. He remembered telling them they would bow down one day. They are doing it. He is seeing the fulfilling of God. And so he goes on this uh, this different direction. You know, you wonder, what what is he going to do in this situation? And verse 10, And they said unto him, nay, Lord, nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's son. We are true men. Our servants are no spies. And he, Joseph, said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. He's accusing them of coming and realizing that Egypt in this great famine has a lot of weaknesses. You're coming to see uh, the barren nature of the land. You're coming to spy on us to, to see our weaknesses that you may be to attack us. He knew this wasn't true, but... He he was throwing this out there. Verse 13, they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph saith unto them, This is that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence, except your younger brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother. And ye shall be kept in prison. That your words may be proved, whether there be any truth renew, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together in ward three days. And Joseph said unto them, The third day, this do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of prison, of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your house, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did. So, so we look at this. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, we could spend a long amount of time trying to dig deep into the thinking of Pharaoh, of Joseph. I'm sorry. Why did Joseph do this? Why did Joseph choose to accuse them of being spies when uh, he knew they weren't? Why did Joseph put him in threes, prison for three days when he knew they weren't who, they were exactly who they claimed to be? He knew that. Uh, and There's a lot of different points of view. He was angry, he's frustrated, and, and all of these different things. And frankly, uh, there would no be any human reason not to be. Um, there's some, and I, I was reading and studying, and some who say that one of the reasons is he just wanted to see his brother. And maybe this was one way to see his biological brother. Same father, same mother, and being able to get a chance to see his brother. And uh, let's be honest, we really don't know the mindset behind Joseph as to what he did let me tell you what I want to focus on for the next couple of minutes. Um, Ultimately, in this process, over these next few verses, you see Joseph puts him in prison, then he sends him home accusing him of theft, all these different things. Ultimately, his father is in his presence, and his father kneels down before him again as the vision of God was to Joseph. And so, Ultimately, it brought his entire family into his presence before he, you know, when he finally realized what was going on, he was able to really bring full reconciliation between him and his brothers and his family, show his he's alive, show where he was, show God's vision was real, and be able to bring healing and reconciliation to his family, and then ultimately be able to treat them like they are his family. You see the little things he does over the next few stories, new few verses and few accounts of what's going on, and, but ultimately it leads towards reconciliation between them. So really what I see is one thing I've noticed, and I read this this morning and I thought it was interesting, that one preacher said that what it looks, whatever's going on, God uses, whatever reason Joseph was doing this, God used this to prepare the hearts of these brothers for reconciliation because we see, we'll look at next time, in the next few verses, is their realization of their pain and how they're being treated the same way they treated their brother and now they feel God's punishment's coming upon them. Either way, God began to use this to prepare their hearts for reconciliation. So when they recognized Joseph and all these things, they, they were ready um, to be reconciled. And we'll see more detail how that works out and learn from them. What I want to do for the next few minutes in that, which I think was a great principle. I read that this morning and man, I thought it's a great truth. So let me explain uh, what I want to do for the next couple of minutes. I want to ask the question, what really is needed for reconciliation? If there's anything that I think probably is one of the harder things to do in any relationship is when we've been hurt or when we've caused hurt to to want to bring reconciliation. Well, here's here's our natural instincts. Our natural instinct is to try and tell everybody how wrong they are and how we've been hurt, how we've been wrong, and probably there's a good chance we have been. Um, I've learned that trying to convince people of how much pain we've been, we've been in doesn't necessarily bring reconciliation and doesn't really help solve any problem. I might feel better for a period of time that I was able to speak my mind, but it doesn't really solve the problem. Um, and a lot of times, in my opinion, what I've seen, excuse me, what I mean in my experience, <clears throat> what I have seen over years of my life, now I'm in my mid-40s, I have seen that most people would rather run and splinter a relationship and live splintered than be involved in reconciliation. Now let me tell you one thing in the onset, and if there's anything else I've learned. Reconciliation does take two sides of the party. You can do everything you want to do everything biblical and every right step, to reach out and strive to achieve reconciliation and still not get it. You can do your part, you can ask for forgiveness, you can forgive whatever would be necessary, and the other person still may not offer that for whatever reason. You cannot control that, but you can say, I will do my part. So please understand what we'll talk about for the next few minutes is simply what can I do in this area of reconciliation. And then you have to let God take care of the rest of the details. So, four things I wrote down that what is needed for reconciliation, before you can get reconciliation, before you can come there, there's some things. And by the way, what is easy to do, I did this one, I wrote these four down this morning. What's easy to do when you read this is to sit back and say, okay, yes, my friend or my family member or this person in church, they need to do this, please. That is the worst thing you can do in these scenarios because that doesn't solve anything. It just kind of actually builds up levels of bitterness because if you sit back and say, yeah, my that friend needs to do that and they won't, it just creates larger amounts of resentment. Don't Don't place this information on the other person place it on yourself. So the first thing is I must realize it is needed. I must realize reconciliation is needed. I can never achieve reconciliation if I think everything's fine. Oh, we're just going to forget about it. We're just going to move on. And in some occasions, that's the answer. In some occasions, um, it's not worth the battle. It's not worth the fight. We were creating issues and scenarios that don't need to be created and we're making the problem bigger than it needs to be. So in that case, yes, don't, Let's not fuss over small things, okay? You know, minor comment here, or look, or hey, they looked at me weird, or things like that. Don't, don't, don't allow small things to become big. I'm not talking that. I'm talking legitimate hurts. I'm talking things where there's been a battle. You can sit back and say, well, it's not me. It doesn't have to be you, per se. You might, I've been hurt, and you might've been legitimately hurt. So the key comes down is Do you realize, and are you willing to recognize, well, this is just the way it is, I can't do anything about it. That that is, that's where we miss the point. We miss the point that that's not the intention. If you go to Matthew 18, a lot of them go to Matthew 18, well, they have to do this, they have to do that. It's true, but can I tell you what the ultimate point, sometimes Matthew 18 is pinned as, I want to point out that person's fault. The goal of Matthew 18 is Reconciliation not to point out the faults of other people. So we must realize that reconciliation is needed. Number two, we must recognize our part and what we can do for reconciliation. So as I look at it, here's a couple thoughts for me and then what God has taught me and how I, what things I've had to choose to do. Number one, I must recognize, okay, am I the one at fault? Don't get me wrong, we are so quick to justify, well, I said this and this is why, or I believe this or I did this and I have plenty of good reason why, and there's a good chance it's true if we justify it. But the question is, have I justified my actions to the point where I've only caused a greater splinter in the relationship of which I'm trying to bring healing? So, must I do my part? Which, number one, I must reach out for, uh, for repentance. I must reach out and ask for forgiveness. And now it's, hey, I was wrong. I, I'm sorry for saying this. Would you forgive me? I must do that. Take my part. Do my part. Or, if the part is that I was wrong, and you know, or, or I, I was the one that brought hurt, or I was the one that hurt. I don't need to ask for forgiveness. Now, I've been the one hurt. I can reach out. Hey, listen... Can we move on? Or, or if nothing else, hey, let's just get this dealt with, all right? Let, let's just deal with this. This really, it was hurtful, it was painful, and let's just move on. Now, let me tell you, in some occasions, um, when I realize my part, and let's say I reach out, for, ask, I reach out and I'm, I'm asking people, you know, hey, that really hurt. You're, you're confronting the Bible. It says, Matthew, 10, if you've been offended, go to the person who's offended you. And you go to them, and they say, you know what? That's just too bad. It's not my fault, whatever. And they're not willing to deal with their part. That's all you can do. I wish I wish it was easier now, but you've done your part. You can reach out and then here's what I encourage you to do. It's my part three, I must be willing to do my part. When I realize there's a need and I recognize my part in the need, again, the hardest thing you're gonna do because it requires humility, it requires your willingness to set aside your hurt and to take your part. Then you must be willing to do your part. So if you've been confronted and you were wrong, ask for forgiveness, move forward, bring, begin the healing. If you were hurt and that person's unwilling to deal with it, forgive anyway, forgive anyway. Let me tell you what I've learned in my experience. Forgiveness is less about if somebody asks me to do it. Now, I've heard people say, if no one asks me, you don't have to. Let me just tell you from my point of view, one of the things that bitterness, the reason we love to hold on to bitterness is because if I'm angry and bitter at somebody, as long as I hold that anger and bitterness, I feel like I have something I can hold over their head. Yes, I'm right. And I can use this as a, as a frustration when they're in front of me. I can be angry at them and I cannot talk to them and I justify my actions and, and I feel like I have a right to be angry and I have a right to do this. In that, I feel like I can hold this, what they've done, over their head. And humanly speaking, you can do that, but here's what ends up happening. That because you're not dealing with it, it produces more anger and bitterness, and then it begins to identify who you are. You become that bitter person. And the Bible says, be careful lest a root of bitterness, what you don't see underground, grow and defile and become strong, and then many be defiled. What happens is that bitterness develops in you and then ultimately defiles other people. Forgiveness... And my experience is a whole lot less about the person that you need to forgive and more about you getting healing because that person may never ask for forgiveness. And you wanna, is it, you wanna carry that over you the rest of your life? No, 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 just, just forgive. Let it go because that is what God wants. Give it, give it to them. Let them deal with it. Let God deal with them and you bring, you just forgive. Then I must do my part. I kind of jumped ahead to that. I must realize what is needed that reconciliation is needed. I must recognize my part in the struggle. I must be willing to do my part. And then I must do my part. Can I tell you that I think too many times we'd rather run away from this and deal with it instead of just acknowledging. And, you know, it's going to be ugly. It's, a, it's awkward. Would we rather live in awkwardness and ugliness? We'd rather have pure reconciliation. So let me encourage you. There's some people who have strived to reconcile with you. Are you willing to get that right? Just let it go and move on. There's some of you that need to deal with reconciliation, strive for it. Uh, Are you willing to take your step? I wish I could say that it always works out, that both parties will come to reconciliation and will grow. In fact, in most cases what I've seen is, unfortunately, when everybody follows, one party still has a tendency to say, I don't want to do this. One party is unwilling to give up on whatever they feel they're holding. Um, There's nothing you can do about that as long as you're that party, you can deal with it and you'd go out and do your best. But here's the key, you can't force anybody to come to where they need to be. All you can do is choose to be what you know is right to be and may that be what you strive to do today. I hope that was a help and encouragement. Don't get me wrong, I understand as we hear these they seem simple, but in action when you do these these are some of the hardest things to do in relationship but most rewarding if you're able to gain that relationship back. May that be something we pray for and ask God for strength to do. Thank you for the opportunity to finish out the week together this Friday. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, Keep safe. It looks to be coming the next beautiful day. Seem to be ahead of us. Hope you join us Sunday, 10 o'clock here on property or online. We'd love to have you and join us as we take time to worship Jesus. And we look forward to a great time in fellowship, and celebration of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Uh, continue to bring pray prayer for the lucas uh, the funeral for tara is monday monday the viewings at 10 o'clock here at the church and 11 o'clock is the ceremony and as uh, so we invite you to join us 10 o'clock for viewing, 11 o'clock for the ceremony if you can make it and i know that'd be a huge encouragement to the Lucas family we love you hope you have a great rest of your day god bless